You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic with Dr. Heidi, a toxic relationship specialist. Here, we bring hope, healing, and freedom to those who have been affected by toxic relationships and emotional abuse. Learn to not only recognize a red flag when you see one, but have the courage to choose yourself and move forward in a life that's free from toxic control of others. Living in an environment that's not healthy for you can cause this type of abuse to be accepted as normal. The truth is, it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. This is your host, Dr. Heidi. And um, yes, I'm super thankful to be here. We have had a lot of activity going on at Coaching with Dr. Heidi. So I will make the announcement short. I know I say that every time and the announcements tend up being five minutes long, but the conference venue is booked. It's the third national It's Not Normal, It's Toxic conference, and it's being hosted in St. Louis this year. The dates are March 27th, 28th and 29th. So if you've been looking um, to find uh, some education on maybe your situation, or if you've got somebody else that you feel could use the um, information that my team and I give out at the conference, uh, the link is on coachingwithdrheidi.com. And what I do with that conference and the reason I do it is I know that many of you are in situations where you can't be on the phone or you can't um, get away or you can't have anything coming into your inbox um, just for conflict reasons. So I try to have as many different options to get my information as, as you can so that maybe you can each find one that fits you. The conference, the reason I do the conference is we can get all of the education part of my program done in two days. So at the conference, I go through the 21 character traits of the toxic person. I go through um, a presentation on hoovering. I go through a presentation on having a conversation with somebody who's got a toxic personality and give you some tips and some tools on what to do with that. So it is a, it's a crash course. So if that works for, for some of you, um, that is why it's set up like that. The other reason I love doing the conference is it brings a lot of people together that are going through the same situation. So if you are looking for a support group, the conference is a great place to find that. Also, if you are not in the support group online, uh, it's a Facebook group. It's a private group. You at, you can ask to join. Uh, we are past 700 members now, and it is a very positive place for you to be if you, again, are looking for a support system of people who understand your situation without you having to explain that. So it's not normal. It's toxic information you can find on the website, Coaching with Dr. Heidi, for registration, for the registration link and the ticket purchase. And Strength Within is the name of the support group that we have on Facebook. Also, one more. See, I told you that the, the announcements were going to take five minutes. Uh, check out my new website. The website is the same, but the look is a little bit different. And there's a new quiz on there. I know many of you have taken the toxicity profile analysis, but now there's another quiz. So if you haven't been on there, jump over and take that and let me know what you think. Okay, so today on the podcast, I actually have a guest with me. Hello, Dana. Hi. Thank you for being with me. Um, a little bit about my history with her. 
um, she was one of the people that found me out of the blue, like so out of the blue, I had to be like, okay, how did you find me again? And she was living in New York City, correct? Yes. At the time. And she was struggling um, in a in a situation that that she was thinking was pretty toxic, but didn't have the answers and couldn't find the resources. And I think you just you Googled and you found my meetup. Isn't that correct? Yes, I found you through meetup. Yes, That's and I correct. remember getting a message from you and then going, wait, this lady's <laughs> in New York. How did she, like, how did that even happen? But, but it ended up that we talked quite a bit and talked to you through a lot of, of what was going on in that relationship. And now you are no longer living in New York, but you have your own meetup that you host via the internet yeah. in, in New York now, correct? Yes, so it, the meetup is still active in New York City. Um, there have been, I think now, 65 events. Um, they meet regularly in New York. I want to say at least twice a month, if not more. And I started hosting Skype events. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon now. So I'm doing Skype uh, meetup support groups about once a month. So just for all of you out there, <clears throat> she's been through it and now she's back helping other people through it, which I think is a huge part of the healing process, don't you? Definitely, definitely. So I'm just going to let you tell them just a little bit about yourself and then we'll kind of go into the story because, because you have a fantastic um, story to share today. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, we'll, get, we'll start digging around into your life. Yeah, sure. So I'm um, really happy to be here. I'm really grateful that I met Dr. Heidi. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm Dana. I'm 42 years old, uh, currently living on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. Um, really loving life out there. It's gorgeous. Um, I'm not from that area at all. I'm from New York City. I grew up in Florida, moved back to New York City. Um, I'm a classical musician and I work um, in the music industry related to classical music. Um, I performed on all the big stages in New York and did some international tours. And um, I ran a business in New York City for about 12 years. Um, that was actually pretty successful. Um, I've been married twice. Um, there are two exes in my life. <laughs> So we'll have to keep those straight. Divorce, talk about yeah, divorced by 40. So yeah, really winning. <laughs> You're just practicing. Um, They're just practice marriages. <laughs> yeah, divorced twice by 40. There's a special club for that. So sometimes <laughs> um, I meet other people and we're really happy. <laughs> oh, I'm not the only one. Oh, great. I'm in that club too. So um, yeah, I, I'm actually, the business I, I was running in New York City was with my first ex-husband. Um and, you know, we are still very, very close. We just consider each other, you know, like best friends or like family. Um, there's no romantic relationship there any longer, but we are just like each other's rocks. Um, so and let, they said, let me, I wanted to ask you about this. So I hear, I hear people say this all a lot that, you know, they've been married more than once and they're friends with, or can get along very well with their first former. So describe that relationship for me and like what, what um, spurred the divorce in that relationship? Um, well, you know, I'm looking back on it now. This was a long time ago. I think I was 28 when I got married um, and I'm 42 now. So I, I've learned a lot about myself, about relationships, about, you know, my 
behaviors in relationships, how I see, you know, how I treat myself as well. Mm -hmm. And so looking back, I can see, you know, 28 really doesn't seem that young, but I was young, you know, I was not very self-aware and I was pretty much emulating what I saw in my house growing up as a kid. And there are things about my parents' relationship. I mean, they're still married, but there were some things I would say are, you know, definitely unhealthy. And now looking back, it's like, oh yeah, I was treating him that way that, you know, because that's was learned behavior. Right. Um, so it was a combination of that. And also he was, um, Sadly, um, he suffers from depression and he tried to get help for that. And it just seemed like nothing was working. And we were just sort of perpetuating each other's misery at one point. And it just was like, yeah, you know what? We really held on to it for a long time because like I said, we do have, and we still do have a really, we care about each other Mm -hmm. very deeply. Um, so that just sort of was like, you know, this is not good for us anymore. And we stayed, you know, we had the business together. We kept working together. Um, and like I said, we're best friends now. So I'm really so grateful. He's, he came into my life. Yes, definitely. So, so the reason I wanted you to kind of go into that is because then you remarried, correct? Yeah. So about a year and a half, I think to two years after, you know, that relationship was over, I gave myself time to recover from that. And um, I met the second one um, on OkCupid. Okay, so online, which is much braver than me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, online. And so now tell us um, as much as you want or as little as you want, how did those two marriages differ? Oh, boy. Um, The second one, I would say from the very beginning, um, I remember after the first date that we had, I felt like this charge and this energy. And I was like, I just fell in love with someone, you know, with like in an instant of meeting them. And it, it kind of like, I didn't realize it at the time, but it kind of had that just crazy just a weird, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, there was something, it felt good, but it just felt crazy. Um, but in a good way. Yeah. Whirlwind, like energized in positive ways. And, you know, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And I got really swept up in it. Um, so I mean the relationships. Yeah. I mean, one thing I did you know, I, I thought I learned from my first marriage. So I was like, okay, well, this is what I want in a person. You know, I want somebody who is strong willed because in my first marriage, you know, I felt like I was kind of the one that was the more strong willed one making all the decisions, you know? And I said, okay, I want to be with a partner, you know, that's a really strong person. And so that was a big difference between, um, the two relationships as well. Okay. And so then, um, did it start out? Okay. Because this was the relationship that you ended up finding me about. Correct. When did you see it kind of go from, Oh, this is a whirlwind. I just fell in love with somebody to, Oh, this might not be a good thing for me. Um, honestly, it was happening from pretty much the beginning, um, within a few months, there were just really, like weird incidents, um, weird behavior. 
things I didn't quite get. And so I thought, oh, this is just getting to know this person. And I don't understand what he's feeling. I don't understand the way he reacts. You know, we need to talk through it. I need to get more information. And we can, you know, we can work through it because it is very confusing in the beginning. You know, you don't know the person. There's a lot to learn about each other. Well, so I think, I think too, um, personalities like ours, we, we like to say we don't know the person and we give them the benefit of the doubt because we don't know them. So we don't always take those first signs seriously because we don't know them that well. So who are we? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's much easier at that point just to kind of ignore those red flags because yeah, you don't know them. It's true. Um, So is it a red flag or not? It's really tough to tell. Um, And there were, you know, extreme like stories that I heard from the beginning, like, you know, reference to this crazy ex-girlfriend and the fact that he had a criminal record and, you know, nothing ever, all the stories that he told, I always questioned them. Like nothing really made sense. It always felt unsettling. Um, but but don't it, you think, I'm going to stop. Don't you think it's strange that, that when they tell those stories, we find that they're unsettling, but then they're so convincing that they convince us that they're not unsettling. Oh yeah. I mean, it was totally playing the victim card and there was a sweet smile like, Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, it's so painful. Oh, like, you know, like it hurt me, you know, can you, can you like support me? Poor me. Right. And as a caretaker, as an empath, you know, it's just the perfect manipulation because of, Oh, poor you. Oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. Oh my gosh. I can't believe she called the cops on you. Yeah. Who would do that? So then immediately you're not going to call the cops on him because you did that, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Little did I know I would have been in, I mean, dozens of situations where I should have called the cops, but I mean, I had been programmed to not call the cops. Right. Because that would have been bad because that's what she did. And he was from talking very bad. Yeah. From the beginning, like he was already planting those seeds in my head. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the whole whirlwind thing, you know, that, that all happened for a reason too, because the whole love bombing immediately, we think we've found something that's so incredibly perfect for us that it's hard for us to see the forest through the trees type of thing. Yeah. And I take responsibility for that too. Um, I let myself get caught up in that. And then since then, you know, I realized I tend to do that um, because of my personal issues. So that's something that's become really important to me as well. Like I, you know, I got caught up in that probably maybe even quicker than he did. He probably didn't even need to love bomb me. (laughs) You were willing and ready. I was, I I was such an easy target. (laughs) No, I think, I think that sadly to say, like you, like you said, you take responsibility in that, you know, I have to take responsibility in that too, because I was. I was very naive about serious relationships, I think. So when that incredible whirlwind shows up, then, oh, ta-da, this is what I've been waiting for, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So so when I met you, you were kind of in the transition of trying to get out of this um, relationship and in this marriage. So, you know, what was the what was the deciding factor that made you go, you know, this is it, it's time, I've got to figure something out? Yeah. Well, I mean, this it's hard to say exactly when it happened. So obviously I became extremely depressed. I started having anxiety. My personality was just disappearing. And I remember saying to my friends, like, I don't even feel like myself anymore. I mean, everything was about him and his drama. 
um, I was just, the only thing, the way I can describe it is like, I felt like just an empty eggshell walking around and, you know, I was just gone. I was checked out and my therapist, you know, I actually quit seeing my therapist because I was seeing the same therapist for over seven years. And, you know, I would go in and I would talk about what happened and I just couldn't even stand to see the look on her face because I knew it was that bad, but I just wouldn't leave. And, um, you know, I quit therapy. I was just completely, you know, she diagnosed me with major depressive disorder and I started (laughs) taking medication for that because, you know, I got to the point where I just, I, I was suicidal. I was carrying around, you know, what I needed to execute my plan in my bag for like a few weeks, I started Mm -hmm. selling my thing because I was like, I can't live like this. I can't leave him. And I'm just gone. Like I, I literally, I didn't see a way out. And, um, you know, that is not me. I just find that so sad. Like that, that's not me. So, you know, so let me go back just a minute to, um, I think we were in contact when you were seeing that therapist and yeah. um, so what, what made you quit going to therapy? Did you just, was there no forward motion or no, I mean, the right answer or I'm, I'm just I, really, I'm really curious actually. I was basically, I was embarrassed. Um, you know, she was, she's an amazing person. She knew me very, very well. And she's helped me so much in my life and she's a very caring person. Um, and I wasn't telling anybody what was going on. I mean, I think I, the only person I told was my first ex, you know, I told you we were really good friends, but I didn't even tell him half the stuff that was happening. And just to see someone who knows me so well, have that reaction, someone who really cares about me was so embarrassing. I couldn't talk about it. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving him and I can't talk about it. So I'm quitting therapy. And so what did she, what, did she have a reaction to that? Uh, she was great. I mean, yeah, of course. She just was respectful. Um, and she was there for me if I ever wanted to reach out to her. But oh, I mean, honestly, that. yeah, the one thing, you know, that really, it caused me to just to realize I have to get out of here is when he basically started um, dating somebody else. And so there was the antidepressants, you know, I was having pretty bad side effects from all of them. I had my first panic attack ever. Um, I had hypomania, you know, so I was constantly switching. I was like a zombie. I was extremely tired and, you know, I was a train wreck and, you know, for him, like, of course a narcissist wouldn't want to be around someone like that and help take care of them. So, you know, he was out having a great old time with his new girlfriend even though it was just a friend supposedly, but of course they ended up together like before I was even out of the picture, but, um, and she's a very cool person, by the way, I met her. I actually really like her, but, um, so, you know, at that point he was coming home at like 6am after just wandering around the streets of New York. And I'm like, I realized this is like our first date. This is so weird. Right. he basically said, you know, he was flaunting it in my face. Oh, she's so hot. You know, funny thing. She's also a musician. And, um, well, you know, I, I was going to say, he's not going to pick anybody who's not like you. 
He's going to play no. somebody exactly <laughs> like you because of the person. I left her. <laughs> I, yeah, I randomly, I met her and it was the weirdest thing, but, um, and we talked about him. It was so bizarre, but, um, so he was like, basically just flaunting this relationship in my face. And he didn't tell her she was married or sorry. He didn't tell her he was married. Um, and he's like, I'm not going to quit seeing her and I'm not going to tell her. And for some reason, after all of the abuse and just everything that happened, you know, that was something that clicked in my brain for some reason that made me realize this is over. Like, right. This you know what, that's, over. that's funny because what you just said, now I'm going to try and repeat it just like you said it. I'm not going to quit seeing her and I'm not going to tell her I'm married either. So if that's not the, I'm going to have my cake and eat it too, like just out there in front of you. And they don't, Amazing, right? the thing that's sad is they don't care the consequences that it has on your feelings and your life. No, I was, as long as they're getting what they want from all angles. Oh yeah. He was saying, you know, because I, cause that upset me, you know, he used the word, he used the term I was keeping him in a cage because I wouldn't let him hang out with her. Oh, that yeah. you are asking way too much. Yeah, I know. And then it's, yeah, your fault because you're so difficult to live with. So then what from there, because, you know, you had mentioned that, that you were on the antidepressants and stuff like that. So how did you get out of that clouded? Like what steps did you take to get out of that, you know, that tired and cloudy and just decide, okay, this is what I'm doing and move forward. I mean, I was still taking the medication um, until I, a while after I finally left. So he, you know, that's when I met you at that period. I was looking, um, I was, you know, I, he was, he left town um, to make a documentary about her. And which okay. is funny because he did this, he made a documentary about me at the beginning of our relationship. So this is so textbook. I mean, it's ridiculous. So he was gone for a week. Thank God. And I was able to pack everything and move. And I basically, um, you know, I had been living at work for a while um, after this one, like, really, um, basically abusive incident one night, I basically ran away. And I, I had decided I was going to leave. And then it was like, let's try to work this out. But after this one particular night, um, that was it. And I packed my stuff and I just started uh, sleeping at work. I mean, I was basically homeless and he was still in the apartment and I would take the train all the way from Midtown Manhattan back to our place in Brooklyn, take a shower at the gym across the street, look at my apartment every day, take the train back to work and sleep where there was no heat. Um, this went on for a few weeks until, you know, he left town. I got my apartment and at that point, after I was in my new apartment, you know, it took a while before I could start the healing process, but I was still on the medication. Um, and eventually it's like, this medication is just not working for me. And I had to give up on that. And it was just about really slowly um, building my strength back up. Mm -hmm. And it is slow, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it's very slow and very painful process for sure. I know, but it is worth it. So now you you left New York City and you moved to Portland um, to start a new life and get a you know a free break and get rid of all of that yuck. And so um, 
what have you experienced now that you've been there? Is everything happy and great? Or are we still, you know, working on rebuilding and, and working through things? Well, you know, this is, while a, trick, I, this is a trick question. I know. I got you. I'm on to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> while I was never that simple, right? While I was in New York, you know, I would say I didn't feel, you know, a hundred percent recovered and I still don't, but I changed so much by the time this depression lifted, you know, my, like my laugh changed. My whole personality became so much lighter. I mean, my laugh sounds different to me now than it did ever in my life. I know. Don't you love that? It's so great. (laughs) It's so great. And I mean, people don't understand. It's like, you have no idea what it, how good it feels to smile and laugh. And feel uh, really happy, not faking. Yes, it. yes. Um, I think I'm really happy. So, and my attitude just with life changed. I, I was just, you know, I took everything just so much lighter and easier. If something would go wrong, it's like, okay, no big deal. We'll figure this out. Whereas before, you know, it was the end of the world. And okay. um, um, I want to say something really quick because we just transitioned like, okay, you got out and ta-da, you left that life and you moved to something different, but, but I did the same thing and it's not that easy. I mean, you have to make the decision on what's important, you know, what you, you know, you left a lot of stuff. You left a fantastic career. You changed, you know, you left a lot of stuff when you left. And, I and I always say, you know, I left a lot of stuff too, but I would do it again to, to hear my laugh and to feel what I, you know, what I felt when I got out of there. But it's not like, oh, you all of a sudden pack up. There's a lot of grieving and there's a lot of decision-making at a very crucial time when decision-making is very difficult. Well, yeah, that's why I was saying I did take about a year um, to, to try to recover from this there. And then I did start to feel stronger. Okay. I had my laugh back. My smile was back. You know, I was feeling better. I was not depressed anymore. And, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not married you know, I'm getting sick of New York anyway. There's this beautiful state called Oregon, you know, that I just completely fell in love with um, while I was visiting. And yes, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I don't have kids. I'm self-employed. So I have a lot of freedom. And I just, you know, I just said, screw it. I'm just, I'm doing this. You know, I found a job. I decided where I wanted to live. And I just started selling everything, packed up my car and I just hit the road. And then let me ask you this, because I know that there's people listening going, how did she do that? You did not do that without fear, did you? No, I was, I was terrified. And it's funny because, you know, I was giving up, you know, decades of connections and career, you know, connections, clients, everything I worked so hard for. Um, And it's so funny because I kept thinking, am I going to regret this? I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, and I kept thinking, what, what is going to go through my mind when I actually am in the car driving? Am I going to be scared? Am I going to regret the whole thing? Am I going to be excited? You know, it was all just very a mystery to me. And it's funny. Do you know what I felt when I was actually heading west? Is I felt like I'm going, like, I felt like I'm safe. I'm getting out of here and I'm safe. And, th- and I hadn't felt fear from him or this relationship for about a year but I didn't realize how deep seated that was. And I felt I'm taking care of myself. I'm getting out of here. I have two cats. I'm bringing the cats 
we're safe. We're going to be away from him. And I just, you know, I re- that was an unexpected um, kind of event for me once I hit. I think it was I-90 West. Yeah. Um, okay. That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. But that just made me get tears a little bit because I know that feeling. And, and yeah. it kind of makes everything that had been holding you there for so long seem so unimportant. You know, when you just have that feeling of, of being free. And yeah, yeah. so. So you, had a long, coming, you had a long drive to process. Yeah, I was coming into myself. It was like, you know, getting my identity back. Like I'm, this is my life. I'm doing what I want. I, I, I'm getting as far away from him as possible without moving to a different country. Right. <laughs> Literally. So did you stay, did you stay on I-90 all the way across the country? Uh, I switched to 84. Okay. Because I was going to say 90 goes straight through Bozeman, Montana, where I was raised. So you drove right past. No, I didn't. I didn't hit Montana. But so, yeah. So since then, um, back to your question, um, you know, I was I moved here to focus on my recovery from this relationship and to figure out, you know, my goal after this ended was, you know, I'm not blaming him. I'm not going to be angry. I want to fix whatever's going on inside me that caused me to stay with him so long and to let myself be treated that way. I really let him disrespect me. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I don't want to do that again. I don't want, I don't want to treat myself that way. You know, why am I doing this? What's making, what made this happen and let's fix it. And so I knew um, I couldn't do that in New York with my lifestyle. There was never time to think there was never time to focus on myself So I wanted to be in nature, you know, and now I spend a lot of time outdoors. And so that was the reason I moved here. And, you know, it's, it's been about a year and a half and I was really, you know, I made a lot of progress in my recovery. I did know, I did notice on your social media, the difference in um, the posts that you put on from the time you were in New York (laughs) till the time you were in Oregon. And I mean, I wasn't even, we weren't even really in communication at this point. I just, you had, I had somehow either maybe I read it that you were moving or you, you sent me a message that you were moving, but it went from not necessarily pictures that were bad, but pictures that were just a lot more chaotic, all of a sudden to you hiking in the mountains and all this calm stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, the best move this woman has ever made. I know. I know. And I mean, I don't know if I'm going to stay here forever. I really don't know. But, you know, for now, it feels right. And I have no regrets. But um, well, good. Yes. So, so now you you're you're working there and everything seems to be um, going well. Have you had any anything additional since you've been there? You haven't had to hear from any of the the former well, the one former you said you're still friends with, but you haven't had any residual. You've been no, no, I, I mean, I did leave a few valuable things in our apartment and, um, you know, I'm okay with that. Um, uh, one thing that was really tough for me is I loved, loved, loved his family. Um, and so basically I had to just cut, you know, communication with all of them. And, you know, I don't think his parents like, or, you know, me, his parents, his brother, like, I don't think any of us wanted that to happen. We really cared about each other. We had a relationship. Um, 
but yeah, it's just one of those things you have to do. That's part of no contact, but I know I haven't heard from him. I said no contact and I deleted him from every, I deleted his name everywhere. I saw it, every document, every shared, you know, Netflix, everything. Yes. I just step by step, you know, the pictures on my computer, you know, everything. So you took the no contact very seriously, which I think is one of the things that people struggle with the very most. Um, that's it probably is, yeah. the pushback I get with my clients. But how can I do it, that? Well, but but you're stressing about how important that is. In fact, you're not even in your apartment doing this podcast because you didn't even want to bring the energy of talking about it into your new residence. Am I correct? Yes. So we had been, we chose this date a while ago and, you know, I I live in Oregon. I'm actually sitting in Phoenix, Arizona right now. I decided to book a weekend getaway and get some sun. And I didn't want to talk about this in my apartment. I I, I don't want this, you know, and And I, I created a peaceful world for myself. I got rid of everything that has to do with him. And I created a new life with new things, new furniture, new lotions, new soaps, you know, everything knew that you know it's me it's part of my new identity and it's not associated with him and those little things you know in addition to moving across and, the country and you, you know, know the thing that, right the thing that I love is that you are adamant like you're serious about I, I did a post um last week sometime about if you knew there was a wolf at the door would you open the door you know exactly. you have been so adamant about staying true to yourself in all of this Um, But I can't help but bring this up because I know that even though we've been talking about the great changes and talking about the freedom and we're talking about this, you have had a couple other struggles that have popped up on you since you moved. Um, You don't have have to go into a ton, but, but I just, I just want you to share because I think it's, it's worth um, letting the listeners know that, you know, just because we're out of it and we feel like things are going well, we still have other stuff that comes in, but at the same time, it seems like we know how to handle things so much better once we have removed ourselves and taken other people's power away from us. Can you let us know a little bit about now what you're kind of dealing yeah. with? Yes. Yeah. So part of my healing process from this was um, recognizing, you know, the environment I grew up in, the fact that I'm an empath, I'm a caretaker, I'm codependent. Um, I don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. I don't know how to take care of myself. And so I was working on these things, um, trying to become a better person. And like I said, that was my number one goal um, was self-growth. And so, you know, here I am thinking I'm doing pretty well, (laughs) feeling like pretty confident. I have so much free time. I'm hiking. I'm traveling around, you know, my beautiful new state of Oregon and, um, I had free time, so I decided to work on my family tree, like as a gift for my parents, for my family. I wanted to to make a nice album and do a lot of research on our um, on our heritage. So I took one of the DNA tests and uh, had a pretty huge shock. I found out that my father is not my biological father. Um, this was about eight months ago, and uh, my parents never told me. And they basically conspired against me finding out. And um, yeah, I thought, you know, I was one ethnicity and I found out I'm a very different one. And it really was like pulling the rug out from underneath me. It was, it's so disorienting. Um, And I was, yeah, I found out in a very traumatic way. 
Um, I think, I think, I mean, it's, of course, all the listeners know that I, Dr. Heidi always has tears, but now you told me this story twice and I have tears again, because I know that feeling when you feel like, okay, finally, everything is going the way I want it. And um, other people aren't going to affect me. And then just out of the blue, something that big to just take your feet out from under you. I can't imagine, especially when you were trying to find who you were and, and exactly and yourself and rebuild yourself and all of that. And then to find out you didn't even know who you were looking for. Exactly. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it was the weirdest twist because, you know, I kept saying, I want to work on myself. I want to figure out who I am and work on myself. I'm working on myself. And then like, I'm literally not who I thought I was at all. And I have all these, you know, I have at least 15 half siblings I didn't know about and all these aunts that I actually look really look like and um, cousins that I look like. And yeah, the whole thing was really weird. Um, and yeah, it was tough. I mean, I'm still struggling with it in some ways, but, you know, after this former ex (laughs) relationship, um, you know, things it's like, you know, I kind of, I'm comparing the two events and I'm like, yeah, this is not as bad as, as that, as dealing with that toxic relationship. You know, this is huge. This was a life-changing event. And um, I was like, yeah, it still wasn't as bad as that. Right. But so I really have this feeling of like, well, you know, I know life is going to be full of challenges, but, you know, I grew so much from that. I feel so much stronger. And, um, you know, things things are a little easier in some ways for me now. And I, I think, too, I mean, now I've got to kind of just say this out loud. Here you are trying to find you finally have the time in your life to find out who you really are and a higher power said, you want to know, here you go. I know. I mean, life is just ridiculous. It is, but I do, (laughs) I do. And I think, you know, my girls will even say this. Um, Once you've been through and have had to remove yourself and regrow and self-accept and, you know, into a relationship that you did not ever get closure with um, and forgive you know, without an apology. I think that once you've been through something like that, it makes everything else seem not so big. And I mean, I think you're right. This was very upsetting, but day by day you worked through it and day by day you embraced it and you went through the, you know, I'm sure there was conversations with your parents over that and, and you made it and now you're on to the next, right? Yeah. I mean, I never, I never, have been as low as I was, you know, and that was actually when we were texting when we first met. Um, And I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not depressed now, but I am terrified. I mean, I have PTSD. I'm terrified of ending up back there. If I feel depression coming on, okay, I've got to get to the gym. I've got to get enough sleep. I mean, it terrifies me, the, you know, remembering what I became, how anxious I was, like I was having issues with my heart and I was so depressed. I mean, I was a total train wreck and I felt just like a tornado ripped through me and just shredded, you you know, know, my whole being. I think that this is the, this is um, something excellent that the listeners need to hear also is that you just said when you start feeling 
um, that post-traumatic type feeling or that overall feeling of doom or anxious, what you're saying is you're making a mental note of it and going, okay, this is the, this is the warning sign that says I'm not taking as good a care of myself as I should be. So back to the sleep schedule and back to, you know, working out. And so it's, it's basically an alarm that's going off and you're responding by going, yep, that's right. I have to continue to take care of myself because we, we are, we're caretakers. We like to make people happy. We like to be, we are fulfilled by pleasing people. That's, that's what our life is about. And so I love that you have said, nope, I have to make sure that when I feel that, and it's listening to yourself and we, you have to get used to listening to yourself because we always put ourselves last or we used to put ourselves last. Yeah. I mean, just learning how to take care of myself um, is a new concept. I didn't learn that growing up. Obviously, you know, I was not my, I was not doing it at all. Everything was about him. I mean, I was basically working for him at one point. I was helping mm -hmm. him so much in his career. I was taking days off of my job, you know, and it's funny because I was thinking about this the other night. Um, he manipulated, like one way he manipulated me was, oh, you're the only one I trust to help me. How can you say no to that? So, right. <laughs> oh, well, um, yeah. I mean, I helped him. I, I lost money. I, you know, jeopardize some of my own clients, you know, relationships with people and performances because it was all about taking care. So self-care has been huge and, you know, little from little things like, you know, scents or baths to huge things like moving across the country or um, also I quit drinking alcohol, which has been another huge change in my life because I realized how much that was, you know, affecting well a the medication i was on years ago but um how well, much it affected my mood well, and, and uh, alcohol is a coping mechanism so yeah you can transfer that into a, into a different way for you to still feel like you can cope and you can are in control so, yeah i mean and that was why i was saying i didn't know how to take care of myself i literally did not know that's why i drank i didn't know what else to do i knew i felt something bad and i reached for alcohol um, and now it's like, no, I'm learning. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? Okay. Let's sit with it. And you know, it's fine. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've always said this and, and I say it a lot of times, um, my closest friends and my daughters and stuff know this. I, I talk to myself and the reason I talk to myself is because I have to talk myself through some of those situations. And now my husband will be like, everything okay? And I'll be like, yeah, fine. And he will say, well, you're in the kitchen talking to yourself. So just, yeah, so it's like, I'm just finishing up my therapy with myself. <laughs> but it's even funny yesterday. So um, my husband is a big bird hunter. Well, around here, it's, it's duck season from Thanksgiving all the way through um, the, like the middle of February. There's different birds. It's not all the same season. But anyway, he's been gone so much the last three months. Yesterday, I was kind of doing some decorating. And I'm now talking to myself. I'm talking to the dog. I'm talking to the furniture. I think that for a moment <laughs> yesterday, I was talking to the vacuum. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I think I need some people time. But, um, but I picked up the talking to myself when I would feel triggers come up. Because as, mm -hmm. soon as, I could, as soon as I could put my finger on what was causing that feeling, then I could talk myself off of that trigger and be able to move on. And that's kind of what you're talking about. As soon as you, as soon as you notice a change in how you're feeling, you're addressing it immediately. 
Yeah. So, I mean, in the end, I feel like this whole story is just, I've learned so much from myself, you know, and none of it is about him. I don't hate him. I don't really care what's going on. I mean, sometimes I'm curious, you know, who was the next victim or did she go mm -hmm. through what I did? You know, I'm curious. Um, but it's just, you know, I think it's actually such a beautiful thing yeah. the way that this turned out because it's like, I grew, I learned so much about myself, my, my group, my meetup group in New York. I mean, I had more than one person come in at that, you know, sort of in that despair state of confusion and this fog and depression. And I saw that and I said, Oh, yeah, I remember that that was me a few months ago. Yeah. And I mean, more than one person told me that it literally saved their lives because they were suicidal. Yeah. And, and, to see, and to see some glimmer of hope. Yes. And, you know, yes. I'll say that and that was, that's why I found you because I knew I needed that. I knew I needed hope. You know, I was in that fog. And I honestly, I said, I don't believe people when they tell me there's hope. I did not believe it. I was so confused yeah. and depressed. And so the group has, you know, provided that for people. And I mean, it's amazing. Like it saves lives. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so happy to, to join you for this podcast and to keep my group um, running on Skype, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, we're still helping people. And, um, you know, I just, for me, it's just about personal growth, about being, you know, it's a positive thing. I'm yeah. becoming a better person. I'm working on building healthier relationships and learning, you know, I have a lot to learn about that. Um, and I so, guess, yeah. you know, it kind of brings us back to um, my mother saying that everything happens the way it's supposed to, because you wouldn't, yeah. you would not have be able to become the person that you are developing into now, if you would not have walked the path that you had to walk. So it, I know That's it sometimes seems strange for us to be grateful, but you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I wouldn't change it because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I wouldn't have had done it. And you wouldn't be where you are right now in your life if you wouldn't have had to do it. So, exactly. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. We had talked about this um, when we were on the phone previous to actually recording this. If we do um, follow up podcasts with you, because I love the journey. Now people have kind of got the journey with you. They're going to love to hear updates on what's next. So thank you for being here today. And we'll make sure we keep people updated. If anybody has questions uh, for Dana, I can get you her contact information and I'm sure she'd be happy to answer them. So Dana, thanks for being here. Yes. And thank you. Yes, keep thank me posted you. on everything good. Okay, okay, I definitely will. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. If your life is being affected by a toxic relationship, visit coachingwithdrheidi.com and take our free toxicity profile analysis or schedule a personalized consultation with Dr. Heidi. You can also follow us on Instagram at Coaching with Dr. Heidi or join our private Facebook group at Strength Within. Take your first step to freedom today. And remember, it's not normal, it's toxic.